We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I have returned from a little vacation down in Austin, Texas. I am sporting a full beard right now. I got a shave later today, so make my triumphant return to television. (laughs) Uh, Kyle Porter is in his shed braving the uh, cold weather in Dallas. You you surviving down there? Yeah, I needed like a like a rowboat to get out to my shed. It's been it's, <laughs> it's been raining so much. Uh yeah, no, I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm uh I'm ready for spring. I I'm just tired of the cold and the rain and it's it's not the great. Flu. Anybody have the flu at your house? No, but uh that might have been preferable to what happened uh last night in our in our home. Uh Went to Ikea yesterday. You'll appreciate this. Went to Ikea with the kids. Wednesdays are my day my day off now. So I get one day off a week. Wednesday's the day. And bought bunk beds for the two older ones. Now, that sounds like a good idea and like it's going to be fun. And then you get home and you realize you have to put the whole thing together. And it's a disaster. <laughs> and it'll make you want to never have kids, to not be married uh to all of the above but uh no we we put bunk beds together last night and the kids slept in them and it was awesome and they loved it and uh I survived so here we are and they didn't <clears throat> they didn't fall out of bed from the top rope no uh <laughs> my my our oldest uh our daughter was the one that was sleeping on top she actually got out of the top bunk in the middle of the night went to the bathroom and got back in it I was wow. flabbergasted. I would have fallen out yeah. if, it was, if it was me up there. So <clears throat> I uh, not this past time I was in Austin, but a previous time I helped my friend put together IKEA like uh, deck furniture, and it was one of the most challenging experiences of my life. Yeah, it's I've <laughs> never I've never felt dumber than putting together Swedish furniture with the instructions and. Have you have you seen the uh, have you seen the gif of Roy Williams uh, taking his uh, Carolina blue suit jacket off and throwing it on the bench? Well, I think so. Yeah, there's, there's like a there's like kind of a famous gif of him doing that. Uh, one of my buddies uh, during Christmas time when he when they bought their kids presents, he said, "When you see the uh, some assembly required on the box." And just tweeted out that gif, and that's <laughs> that's how I felt last night trying to put uh, a uh, yeah a Swedish bunk bed together. A lot of parts, but we uh, we made it happen. And uh, I will say, uh, braving the elements in my shed is is uh, a lot, e- and and writing about sports is a lot easier than putting a bunk bed together with a bunch of kids crawling all over you. Yeah, well, you did build the shed too. That that probably was True. some assembly required as True. well. So. <laughs> Uh, you can't complain too much, but uh, no, Kyle. The wild roller coaster season known as OSU basketball continues. I mean, they beat Texas Tech, so that's what four straight wins over ranked opponents. It's three wins against top ten opponents, which is a school record. It's just it's been one of the wildest, craziest seasons I can ever remember. It is weird, and I, so part of it's encouraging. I tweeted out a I tweeted out a stat today. Uh, all three, the last three Oklahoma State coaches in their first year have, have all played at ten top twenty-five teams. Travis Ford went two and eight against those ten top twenty-five teams. Brad Underwood went one and nine, and Mike Boynton has gone five and five. 
And so there's a there's a part there that you're like, oh, that's that's pretty good. But then there's another part that's like, well, if you can beat those teams, then what what happens against the Kansas States and Baylor's and and Texas's of the world? You know, I guess they beat Texas, but it, I feel like there's a little it's a little um, frustrating. I don't know if that's the right word, but you're beating Texas Tech, Kansas, West Virginia, and losing to these. I guess lesser teams. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's been a little confusing, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'll say that you know the common thread is Kendall Smith when he yeah. plays well. Yeah. OSU goes up two or three levels and can compete with anybody in the Big Twelve when he's on. And he was on against uh, Texas Tech again. That's been kind of the common thread, and I do think there's a case to be made that they actually match up better with the upper echelon of the Big Twelve. I think that's been proven out over the season. Teams that like to get out and run, teams that don't slow things down, kind of play into OSU's hands, or at least give them a chance to where they're not getting bogged down in the half court. I think that's right. been kind of the common thread, along with Kendall Smith. I think he's really been the difference with this this recent surge. And until until the Texas Tech game, I was going to bring up on the podcast, like we keep bringing up how terrible they've been in the second halves. Well, if you watch that TCU game on the road. It's very clear what happens to this team in the second half. Mitchell Solomon gets like two phantom fouls that just don't even exist in real real life. And he gets in foul trouble, and that's when OSU goes down. He's their best player. Like Mitchell Solomon is their best player. No. You could argue Kendall you could argue Kendall Smith is, I guess, but Mitchell Solomon's certainly their most consistent player, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. I mean no. What are you talking about? Mitchell is Mitchell Solomon's their best player? Ask, it, I, I bet if you ask Mike Boyd who's best players, he'd say Mitchell Solomon. Yeah, I, he might be their most Im, important. I don't. I don't think he's their best. I think. I think Kendall Smith is their best. Isn't it, isn't it weird that like we're having this conversation, we're not even really consider. I'm going through the roster in my head. We're not even really considering Jeffrey Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Kendall Smith earlier this year got benched, so I think you're riding on a high here, saying he's their best player. <laughs> You got benched for Brandon Averett, by the way. Who's yeah, but it's not playing very well. It's conceivable that Oklahoma State can beat Kansas and West Virginia and Texas Tech without Mitchell Solomon. It's inconceivable that they could beat those three teams without Kendall Smith. I think. Yeah, I guess. So. Do you disagree? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, you're right, though. I mean, you, you've been saying it all year about Kendall Smith looks like a pro plays like a pro at times. And, you know, Kyle Cox just, he just wrote a really good piece on him for the site and, and was just talking about like, he's been awesome in the last, I think it was like 10 or 12, uh, big 12 games, even from like a outside shooting perspective, he's third in the big 12 in, in uh, conference three point percentage, which is crazy because you watch him shoot and you're like, eh, okay. I mean, it's okay fine but he's been really really good in conference play at, at, at times and um has has allowed oklahoma state to st- still i don't know how but still be in the conversation for the ncaa tournament yeah and he he bails them out so much on offense how many times has he just just made something happen and pulled up from a long two or a three and, he, and he's made it he's really gotten them out of a lot of jams and you know he plays well man they can they can as Mike Boynton likes to say they can beat anybody, and that's been proven out, in, at least in Big 12 play. Have you been so, impressed with Texas Tech at all? You know, I haven't watched them a ton, but obviously the fact that they've been leading the Big 12 most of the season, yeah, you, you have to be impressed. And I know their best player is still battling an injury, 
Uh, he didn't. He hardly. He wasn't very effective last night. So yeah. it's it's hard to go on just that game. But yeah, of course I've been impressed. They've been they've been doing an excellent job and almost dethroned the Kansas dynasty, which I guess is going to rain on for another year. Yeah, I think Kansas is just going to win like every Big Twelve title until you and I are old men. <laughs> well, I've always said like if OSU isn't going to win it, like I'm I'm cool with Kansas winning it. Like Bill Self's an alum. Basketball means so much more to Kansas than any other school in the Big Twelve. It's not even close. So I, I'm fine with it. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't I get was, like mad. I don't get like mad about it or anything. I've been going through these. Um, so the NCAA just came out with their attendance records for football for 2017, and Kansas is is just atrocious. I think they average 26,000 a game, and the next worst Big Twelve team is like 42,000. I mean, it's just an abomination. And I was thinking, like, are they even, like, solvent as an athletic department, if not for the, the level of, of basketball that they play? I mean, it's – it's they're, they're really sort of buoyed by what they do in, in basketball, even from, from an athletic department standpoint. I, I would imagine their football team still makes uh, – obviously, they make more money because they're part of the Big 12 TV rights deal, but – Man, they they need their basketball team to be really good. Yeah, and they are. They're one of the five biggest names in basketball. And you know, there's been there's been road games in Norman uh, where there's been more Kansas fans back when OU was bad under Capel. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, like that's and I someone uh, it was Mick Schaefer, a guy who does TV up in Kansas, joked that he was disappointed in the Kansas fans for not like packing the house for osu for against tech to, to get to keep the streak alive to just cheer on osu uh so no it's uh you know it means more to kansas obviously i'd like to see someone else win it but you know if, if it's not osu or OU, it might as well be kansas I'm, I'm cool with that yeah you know you gotta like yeah like bill self right being an alum oh yeah i i think i think they're they get a little their fans get a little uh ou football-y for me sometimes but yeah, I love the you know the uh, rock chalk thing they do at the end of games. Like, just I love Allen Fieldhouse. It, it is it is cool, and I like Bill Self. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I guess I don't. I mean, I'm not like gonna be fired up if like West Virginia wins the Big Twelve. I don't I don't really care. I guess so. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Well, and and Doug Gottlieb has been railing on the the streak. And he's right. Remember those years in the Big 12 where there was actually 12 teams? You know, the, the Big 12 South was so much better than the North. You know, Kansas got to play against Colorado. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska. Well, you had Texas at their peak. Yeah. OU under Kelvin. OSU under Eddie. Like, like for instance, in 2005, the top seven teams in the league, five are from the South. OSU went to the Sweet 16. Tech went to the Sweet 16. Texas had uh, Daniel Gibson and P.J. Tucker. They were mm. fifth. That team was good. Then you had Missouri, Nebraska, Can- uh, Colorado, Kansas State. Who in Kansas State was awful back then. They were eight through eleven. So like, not all those Big Twelve titles are, you know, they weren't really fair to be honest. When the the Big Twelve South was beating up on each other, while they got to feast on the, they're already Kansas, and then they got to play a weaker schedule. So was that the the pre- a little misleading? The pre- well, and they also like tied for it a couple times. Yeah, they've tied a few times. They weren't like, they weren't all outright. I think they tied uh, the Blake Griffin OU team and maybe the Beasley K State team. Maybe I don't know if OU's ever tied for the conference I they title. Did. I, I I don't I don't know. 
Uh, what what impressed you most about just Oklahoma State's win over uh, Texas Tech on on Wednesday night? Like, what what was there anything in the game that you looked at and you're like, wow, they can actually use that over the last three games to to maybe sneak into the back door of the NCAA tournament? Well, I just thought it was almost like three games worth of poor shooting bricks just came home to roost. Like Clindy Waters was hitting, Jeffrey Carroll was hitting, everyone was hitting from three, Cameron Griff. They were really unconscious in the second half. And so I'm a little... Excuse you, by the way. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, It's still overcoming vacation here. Um, (laughs) But uh, I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little hesitant to get too excited just based on how this entire season's... I fully expect them to go to Austin and just fire up a bunch of bricks and their offense be stagnant and then lose by 10 points. That's kind of what I expect. Yeah, you know... it's hard because I think that they're similar to most college basketball teams and that if they shoot, shoot well, they, they win. And that sounds dumb, but I think great college basketball teams are so good defensively or, or even on the interior that if they, even if they don't shoot well, they can beat you in a, in a number of different ways The the margin for error is, uh, is much greater when you have really good teams and Oklahoma state's not a really good team. And so the margin for error is so thin that they almost have to shoot 50% or 45% from three point range or, or whatever to win basketball games. And that's just a, that's a difficult way to try and make the NCAA tournament because you're asking a lot out of a roster that's not super talented. And so I'm with you. I I don't expect them. I don't really expect them to win any of the next three games. I'd be great if they did. And I think one thing I wanted to ask you about is, so now they are, uh, what's their record? Six and, uh, six and 10. Is that right? In the big 12, six and nine, six and nine. So they've got three games left. What do they have to do in those three games? They've got at Texas, at Iowa State, and then Kansas at home. What do they have to do in those three games to make the NCAA tournament? Oh, I think to make it, they got to win two. I think to be on the bubble, they got to win one. Um, they'll be on the bubble. Their their quality wins will will certainly stand out to the committee. And I think too, you know, a lot can happen in the Big Twelve tournament. I mean, I think the Big Twelve tournament this year is going to be nuts. They win a couple in Kansas City. I think they're in. So I think regular season wise, I think you got to win one just to give yourself a chance. But I think two would put you as a lock. I think winning eight games in the conference, you're a lock, especially when you factor in all the quality wins they have. Uh, they do have some bad losses, but I think this committee's shown they they favor quality wins. And I, I didn't really answer your early question before you respond. One thing I did notice against Tech that I, I would like to see more of, and Mike Boynton did a great job of this, was throwing zone at Tech. He ran like a one-two, uh, one-two-one zone. Adam, I think it was one-two-one, or one-three-one. One-two-one is only four does, people. Does, well, <laughs> math's <laughs> never been my strong suit. Uh, I meant like one-two-one-one. Um, but no, I think they need to play more zone, Kyle. Like I, I don't think they're good enough athletically to guard people straight up, man-to-man. I think their their defense has been so bad lately because they've just stuck to man-to-man. I like to see them play more zone. I think they have length. So, um, so I, I don't know. If they have the foot speed to to play more man than, than zone. I'd like to see them throw more zone at teams. That's one thing I like that stood out to me. Kept Tech off balance. Kept them late in the shot clock. I think they need to do more of that. Well, and, and I think playing zone sort of 
helps you keep at times can keep you from getting into foul trouble with somebody like Mitchell Solomon. And we, we saw that on Saturday against TCU. You get him into foul trouble, you get uh, Cameron Griff into foul trouble, and it's like, well, uh, where's Trey Reeves? You know, like it, it just becomes a really difficult situation. And so I think that when you're putting guys on an island like that, I mean, Sol- Solomon just got he just had people coming at him all night against TCU. And so when you're putting people on an Island like that, it's, it gets a little dicey with the foul situation. So I, I agree with your point in terms of the NCAA tournament. I, I disagree that they're on the bubble. If they only win, if they win one of the next three and then lose in the, the, like the first game of the big 12 tournament, I don't really think they're on the bubble. I think they're just out. They're not really on anybody's bubble right now. I, I don't know if you've, how much you've been paying attention to like bracketology and stuff. They're not in like the first four out or even the next four out or anything like that. They're just not even really being talked about, which I feel like is kind of weird, kind of odd. Uh, but I do think if they, if they win two of three, then they're they're on the bubble and probably in, uh, but I don't know. I it, does it depend on the can like who they beat? Like if you sweep Kansas and Kansas wins the Big Twelve, you, you're probably and and you beat either Texas or Iowa State, you're you're probably in, right? <clears throat> Sorry, I was looking at the uh, standings. I, I, I yeah, I'd say probably. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. Can't. How many teams are going to get in? Kansas in, Tech, West Virginia, one, two, three, four, five. Baylor's six. in. So, so those six are in. Then it comes down to Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Is OU in? I have a hard time seeing Oklahoma get left out. They're they they're on, they're the opposite of OSU. They're on everyone's bracketology. They're on everyone's, um, you know. What's their in the tournament right What's now. their conference record? What's their conference record? It's the exact same as OSU's. Yeah. Oh, she has one more loss, um, but yeah, I mean they don't have Trey Young, I guess, leading Sports Center. I think that's the big difference. And I, and Oklahoma had an unbelievable non-conference too. That's where OSU's. You know, they beat Florida State, but their non-conference schedule is way down there on the uh, on the lists. So, but but why is why is OU just like a lock and Oklahoma State <clears throat> is not even on? the bubble right now is it just because of the non-conference i mean does can't you make the argument that oklahoma state has better in like big 12 wins like in inside the big 12 yeah you could certainly make that argument and look i don't i don't think oklahoma's in i think the people that have have them sharpied in are mistaken i mean they're they're playing like the worst team in the league right now they've lost what like nine of eleven i mean I have a hard time seeing them win too many games. They have Kansas State at home. Kansas State's been playing unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Bruce Weber. They lost by 100 to Kansas and Lawrence. So maybe they'll get the benefit of the doubt with their non-conference schedule and the fact that people want to see Trey Young play in the tournament, I guess. I don't know. but Hey, but but Trey – so I get on to uh, – I got on ESPN.com on Monday night for something, and the, the lead – like the leading story on there, like the front – front and center uh video trey young makes circus pass in allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> that was it i was like what like did he does he have like 30 yet i mean what that's it that's all we got it was so bizarre and just i don't know do you remember when uh when durant went to to allen Fieldhouse? i do he scored like 40 
He had, uh, I think he had 28 in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is back when I was just in love with, with Durant, like when he was at Texas and I was just, I was mesmerized. I remember I had, I had to be somewhere that afternoon and I could not leave my house. <laughs> I was, I, it was, a, it was, I remember it. It was an 11 a.m. Uh, game at Kansas on CBS, Texas KU. And he, I, I seriously, I think he had 25 or 28 or something in the first half. And I was like, he's going to score 60 in Allen Fieldhouse. This is historic. This is unbelievable. And he ended up with, I don't know, 38 or he didn't score that much in the second half. I remember but it, right? it was just, I feel like it's a, it's a big deal to have great games at that arena or at any great arena in, in college basketball. Yep. And they've somehow lost there three times this year and still probably gonna win the big 12. It's kind of, yeah. this was the year they should have been dethroned, but no one, no one wants it. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. We need to, we need a toast. Do you have a toast? I do. Okay, let's get to this week's uh, Coop Aleworks Toast of the Week. Coop Aleworks, brewing great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgater, get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Aleworks, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, you're up for a Toast of the Week, Carson. Well... We already talked a little bit about Kendall Smith, so I'm going to go in a different direction. Obviously, he was great against Tech, but I'm going to toast a DNR because he has ice water in his veins. Lindy Ice Waters, who (laughs) went perfect from the field. Six of six, four of four from three, 18 points against Tech, just lit it up. And I... Kyle, he has the, one of the better-looking jumpers just as far as form. I've been com- saying this. When it, co- when it comes off his hand, they all look good. They all just, yep, mm-hmm. that's good. That's money. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. He's a very smooth player. And I think he's underrated in that when he was out of the lineup, OSU just wasn't as good. Now, he doesn't always shoot this well. He doesn't always put up numbers. But they're just a better team when he's playing. And uh, he had a great game against Tech, so I'll toast him. I like that. I love his shot. I think he has the best shot on the team. Um, I'm going to toast a briefcase Brown, which I think is fitting to uh, to Mitchell Solomon. We talked about him earlier. Uh, he's had a really – have I to- – I haven't toasted him, have I? I don't think so. I don't think I have. I, I've, I think I've mentioned this, but he's just had a really solid year, you know, and he's not, he's not a pro. He's not going to – you know, this is kind of it for him in terms of basketball and he's really, you know, he, he, he was in a difficult situation, obviously, as, as all the seniors are in terms of, okay, third coach in three years. And this is my last year. Like, what do I even care about this? Like, what, you know, what are, what are we doing? And he's really brought it, you know, he, he's as uh Gandhi would say, frustrates you, you know, he's frustrating at times. Um, but, He's he's been like we talked about earlier, you know, maybe their most um, consistent guy on on both ends of the floor throughout. So briefcase Brown to to Mitchell Solomon for a solid senior year. Yeah, he's been excellent. I think he's been the best player on the team, most important, especially when he gets in foul trouble in the second half. OSU just dive bombs, nose dives. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the the officiating last night was as bad as I can ever remember <laughs> for both sides. There was a point, Kyle, where OSU's just trying to run the clock out. It's like 30 seconds left or something like that. 
and they're trying to inbound the ball and Tech's going full court pressure and they, they called a foul on like Cameron McGriff who was just running around trying to get open. Like it was one of the most phantom, it was the most phantom call. It was almost like they were trolling me because I was talking about the officiating the whole night, how bad it was. <laughs> then that happened. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So that was painful to watch. Maybe we need to start having Coop sponsor our uh, officiating gaffe of the week. Put your put your uh, your Coop goggles on to. Well, I'm, I'm have to game. take notes. I'm have to take notes. I need a notepad with several pages. <laughs> there was one point Cameron McGriff fouled somebody boxing out. He just turned around and put his arms out, and the guy ran into his back, and he got called for a foul. It was awful. That's not good. Uh, I want to talk about uniforms because I've got a uh, off the beaten path uniform take for this week. Um, Let's get to this week's uniform preview, or excuse me, review, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, do you have any Do you have any uniform takes for me, Carson? <clears throat> Kinda. I think the orange looks great. I think they've improved the uh, the orange uniform with the the way the digits look. It's like black with like a gray outline. Those look fantastic. Yeah. I like cowboys across the front better than the alarm clock font they used to have but uh, i have kind of a kind of a uniform take i have a banner take coming up after you're done well i i just want to give a shout out to uh i don't know if you saw this photo i'm sure you did eddie sutton on wednesday night uh took a picture with mike gundy and gundy is there with his dad jeans that look like tiger woods from like 2007 or five or something and just, you know, <laughs> looking like Mike Gundy. And uh, Eddie Sutton is there, full suit, looking like, you know, a million bucks, even though he's not obviously in the greatest of health. But he, I just thought he looked fantastic, just showing up, you know, rooting on Oklahoma State. I, it's, it's cool to see him at those games and to, uh, you know, see players and coaches and people like Mike Gundy pay their respects to – somebody who's obviously a legend it's a joke that he again missed out on the the hall of fame nomination but uh i don't know uh it's kind of like i said off the beaten path but uh, i thought it was cool to to see him there rocking a suit on uh on wednesday night yeah he looked great had the remember the 10 pin on uh, i'm sure it's special for him to watch both of his sons now coach in the arena in which his name's on the floor that's pretty yeah, cool that's awesome I, I remember going to games when they were players. That's how old I am when Scott and Sean were playing. Uh, how like what do we think Mike Gundy's closet looks like? Like he has like a sweater quarter zip on with OSU. Like isn't his entire closet have OSU logos on it? Does he have like game day with like the polos and the khakis? Then he has like Sunday with the Carhartt hunting gear. Yeah, I was gonna say there's there's a Carhartt section. For sure. There's like a, there's probably a camo section. Well, they even have OSU Carhartt gear. Somebody tweeted me an advertisement during one of the basketball games that they have Carhartt OSU gear. And the guy was like, Gundy's going to eat this stuff up. He's got a, yeah. He's got a Stillwater Pioneers section for sure. But uh, no, it's an absolute travesty that Eddie's not in the Hall of Fame. Look, if, if they are holding the Kentucky thing against him, okay. But there are absolute crooks for head coach. Did Jerry Tarkanian get in? Isn't he in? Yeah. Like that's that's a f- joke. And and take out <laughs> take out the Kentucky thing and Eddie's coaching res take out his entire Kentucky tenure. 
His we resume almost, at Arkansas, his resume at Creighton, and his resume at Oklahoma State is enough to get in the Hall of Fame. So the fact that Jerry Tarkanian is in and Eddie Sutton is not is just – it's a complete hypocrisy is what it is. We almost had to use the dump button on you there. <laughs> no, I'm a professional. <laughs> uh, okay, bring me your banner take. Not really, sort, not really uniform related, but I think it. I think it counts for the the spirit of the of the thing. Yeah, I guess Sean Sutton was on the radio here in Oklahoma City, and he brought it up, and I, he, you knew it was kind of like he brought it up on his own, like he, he wanted to make a point that the there's no Final Four banners there. And I never, I didn't notice that. I've been there three times this year. And to me, that's just absurd. And look, I, I get that they are just recognizing national championships, I guess, is what they're doing. But making a Final Four in men's basketball is the pinnacle. Like, you get a banner for that for a reason, because it's so hard to get to a Final Four. Like, you remember who made Final Fours. You don't always remember who won it that year, particular year. And we'll, we talk about the 2004 team, Almost every other podcast, for that reason, they made the Final Four. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to those players. It's a big deal to those coaches. And the, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't. And if you want to make the argument, well, we got to recognize all the national championships for every sport, and we, we don't have enough room, get out of here with that. Go, go hang the equestrian banners in the equestrian center. Go hang the track and field flags. Fly them high at the track center. But basketball plays in Gallagher-Iba. That's their place. That's their home. You need to put up all the basketball banners you can. I just think that's it's just an odd decision, Kyle. And I guess it, it dates back to 2015 is when they when they got new banners and ultimately made this decision. But it, it makes no sense to me. Sounds like Mike uh, Holder needs a banner consultant after the rift with, <laughs> with Gundy over the what, what what's the equivalent of a Final Four banner for for college football? Is it winning the Big Twelve? Absolutely, winning a conference. Like, I mean, because winning, going to a Final Four, you are a regional champion. Yeah. That's basically what winning the Big Twelve. You're a re- regional champion in football. It's the yeah. same thing. And and you would never not put Big t- Big Twelve champs on. I mean, they put 1945 national champs on the football stadium. Well, that's the other side of this. Like, you're willing to put up a fake championship. And make it, and not only put it up, but to make it the centerpiece of the entire stadium. <laughs> that is just a crime. That is just embarrassing, is what that is. It, it it's is. Just, it's just asking it's, to get made fun of, is what that yeah. is. Yeah, it's not good. So, yeah, great, great decision making by the banner people, the banner panel, and the sign panel. <laughs> great, great decision making there. Let's, let's hide the true accomplishments and promote the. Ones that were retroactively yeah. awarded that Army didn't apply for. <laughs> Seventy I, years ago, I agree with you about Galgrave. They they have to they have to put the wrestling up there, and they have to put. Now it's different. Like wrestling, obviously, isn't going to be putting up any you know runner up banners or anything. It's a different. It, it's on a different level. But I'm with you. Like you got you have to put Final Four banners in there. They used to have. Uh, when we would practice against the the girls in the in the uh, auxiliary gym, they had like, I think they had like a round of thirty two banners. I mean, they had every banner in there. <laughs> <laughs> round of thirty two. Well, I remember going to Old Gallagher right after they had been to the Final Four in ninety five, and it was so cool. They had the the Final Four banner, and it had like the Seattle logo. Yeah, from yeah, that yeah. year. 
It was like Mount like Rainier. That should, yeah, that should yeah. be hanging. That exact yeah. banner should be hanging Gallagher Eye. But not only because it, it reflects what they did, but it, it also recalls, like it was such nostalgia seeing that banner with the year and where it was located and all that stuff. Yeah. It, well, I, heck, I mean, they hand out like freaking rings for going to the Alamo Bowl. You'd think that you could just put a banner up for going to the Final Four. <laughs> I know. What do they spend on the rings for more than 100 people? Yeah, I, I was I was told the banners are in Heritage Hall, which sorry, you want to put a banner in Heritage Hall, fine, but there needs to be one hanging in the arena. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I agree. Okay, it's just dumb. I I don't mean to get like upset about. It. I'm not I'm not upset about it. Just the whole the the thinking process behind this is just stupid. I blame the Big Ten. Why is that? Well, just I just want to hear you talk about the Big Ten. Oh no, I'm I'm good with them for now. It's not football season. Okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise, and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, what did we miss? What, uh, what else is going on in, in uh, Carson world? I'm just trying to get back at it. I've been off, been down in Austin, hung out with Nolan Cox while we were down there. Yeah. Uh, good to see him. I guess Mason's still playing Aussie Rules football, which is pretty incredible. It's un- unbelievable. He's just still down there and apparently uh, loves it so much down there, he might just stay down there. And I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him. The weather, yeah. the ladies, it's got to be nice down there. <laughs> the accents. <laughs> the accents. The Exxon, the job at Exxon in Houston can wait. In other words, yeah, like for like forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? Uh, you still have you been have you been following our recruiting coverage? A lot of a lot of recruiting news going on. Uh, have they landed Courtney Ramey yet? No, no. But there's been a lot of a lot of buzz about uh, football. Dax Hill has Oklahoma State in his top three. He would be the second highest rated recruit ever at Oklahoma State. Behind Bobby, Bobby Reed. Reed, yeah, and ahead of uh, who was who was third? XLK, I think, was third, and Rashetti Jones was fourth. Who was his top three? Who who are his top three? I guess Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and Michigan. Well, that's good. You know, I'd be more worried about OU than Michigan. Yeah, so it's good or that Al- they weren't there. But it's, it's so far to go. I mean. Yeah, why? Why Michigan and Ohio State? Why Big Ten country? You want? Does he want to like never see a forward pass? <laughs> does he want to see off tackle right, off tackle left? But that's that's what he wants to play safety at. Here go we go, it, the Big Ten. I I got <laughs> you. I I I hoodwinked you. Although I mean, Ohio State puts like three DBs in the NFL every year. So yeah, who am I to say? Uh, Grant Gannell, I, I think that's how you say his last name, decommits from Texas A&M, is interested in Oklahoma State. Apparently, Oklahoma State's the front runner. Mikey Y just just keeps just sneaking around on the Cruton trail. 
Hashtag fire your sitch. Just sneaky Mikey Y. People just think Mason Rudolph just showed up. He just appeared out of thin air. Mike, Mike Yurst had nothing to do with that. He's just lucky to get to coach him. Spencer Sanders. That's what I've been Grant, saying this whole Grant year. Like people that rip on Mursich are they're, they're seeing what level. And, and people want to bring up Wood T. Like, he had Starkle committed, and he, he bailed at the last minute, and they were lucky to even get Wood T in that cycle. Like, it took a hell of a recruiting job just to get Wood T. My, so my, my favorite take is still, well, he's only as good as his players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to sports. College football, yeah. You gotta he's the cook and he shops for the groceries. That's kinda how it works. Yeah, totally. But uh, I'm ready for I'm already ready. He hasn't even committed yet, the Gunnell kid, but I'm already ready for the Gunnell Spencer Sanders four years war for the number mm. one job. I'm already ready for it. And just, just Tyron uh just being the recipient of all the Well, I guess I guess is Tyron gonna be what is he, a junior next year? I don't know. I, we I forgot tra- he was on the team. We were trying to <laughs> We were trying to come up with a, a wide receiver depth chart the other day. And I don't know what it is. I mean your top four in some order are McCleskey, Stoner, Tyron, and and Tylen. But I don't know what order it is. Oh, I would go Stoner one, McCleskey two, Tyron three, Ty- Tylen. Or Tillon, Tylen, four. I have no idea. That's kind of how it go. But I think it's going to be one of those seasons where, um, you know, one guy has a big game. This I don't think it's going to be anything like last year. I think it's going to be kind of all over the map, just based so you, on so you, what the what the defense gives us. That's who's <laughs> going to get the ball. Or if we if we ever want to if we ever want to go away from the running backs, we'll probably give it to them seventy five times a game. That's the depth chart. Whoever whoever blocks the best is going to be the depth chart. <laughs> They're yeah, going to run the ball every down. I know. Man, I'm ready for football already. It's February 22nd. It's not good. Already? <laughs> uh, okay, Carson. That's all I've got. Uh, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, watching a little hoops. We'll see if uh, OSU can win in Austin. Yeah, big game for both teams. Yeah, Texas, huge. Texas, been, Texas have been sliding as well. And, you know, the, it could – who knows? But that that game could turn out to be whoever wins it is in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I don't know that that will be the case, but it could be. And uh, so yeah, that'll be that'll be a big one. Run the zone, Mike Mikey B. Run the zone. <laughs> Texas can't shoot. We've got Mikey I, B. We've got Mikey G. We've got Mikey Y. <laughs> we've got Mikey H. There's a lot of Mikeys running around Stillwater right now. Well, I know they put man to man defense on their shorts, but uh, I'd be running zone on Saturday. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, Texas, Iowa State, end it with Kansas, and then it's off to the Big 12 tournament. So it should be a fun ending to what's been a crazy year. Can't wait. Okay, we'll talk to you next week, Carson. Okay, see you, dude. See you.